0: Today, we're going to continue our series, which is our theme for the year, called Jesus Use Me. How many say, that's my prayer for this year, that Jesus would use me, right? So let's say it together. three words. Jesus use me. One more time. Jesus use me. I can't hear you louder. Jesus use me. This is our prayer, that we would learn to let Jesus use us. Today, I want to talk to you about the thought and answer the question, who does Jesus use? You ever thought about that? Well, Pastor, I, I think he only uses people like you. Well, you're right. He does use people like me because I'm a sinner saved by God's grace, and he uses people like you. And today, I want to get right into this story. It's a great story. It's found in John chapter 4. One of my favorite stories about somebody whose life was wrecked and one encounter with Jesus changed their life. And God began to use them in such a great and massive way. Let's pick it up in verse 4 and verses 10 of John chapter 4. Now, he had, let's say that word had, talking about Jesus. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. And near the plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was also there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon, that's an important, remember that, it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw her water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had already gone into town to buy some food and the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you this living water. The words had to go. Uh, do you ever see that in Scripture? You don't see that in Scripture, especially when we understand that God doesn't have to do anything. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. And so when we see this wrote in the Scripture, we must pay attention because there was something about this day that Jesus had to go there. Jesus was on his mission to go that day. He knew that I, I must go this way. Jesus deals with people the same today as he does back then. And we got to realize that and understand how Jesus speaks to her is the same way he speaks to you and I today. How Jesus deals with her is the same way that he deals with you and I today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever And so God deals with people the same way. So we can really draw near to the story and we can see how Jesus begins to use this woman and all of her messed up circumstances and realize that he wants to do the same for my life. See, everyone else came early or late to draw the water. That was the tradition. It makes a lot of sense because when you wake up, you need water for the day. And when you go to bed at night, you need water as well for throughout the night. And so people would come early to the well or they would come very late and some came both to draw their water. And unlike places of today where we can all talk at the workplace or we can all talk on social media, The well became the place where everybody gathered, okay? This is the place where the whole community came in the morning time, and they actually looked forward to it because they would see people they hadn't seen since the following day. And they begin to talk about what's going on with little Susie and little Johnny. They begin to talk about who's doing what and who's doing who. Okay, all right, he just said that in the house of the Lord. But that was what was going on. All today's gossip was happening there at the well. All the people gossiping about one another—the people who had done this—and do you know who's doing what? All this is happening at the well. Only somebody trying to avoid people would show up at noon, in the middle of the heat of the day. It makes no sense that you would go in the heat of the day and begin to draw your water. as a lot more walk, a lot more work in the heat of the day. And so, only a person who was trying to avoid people would show up at noon to get their water. But I believe this person was trying to avoid. She realized there was a lot of hate, a lot of gossip, especially about her, a lot of rumors, a lot of things going on. And so she was trying to avoid at all costs being the subject of everybody's pss, pss, pss. And so she was showing up in the middle of the day. A Samaritan didn't talk to a Jew. They had racial divides. that have been going on for decades. As to this day, it's still there. Jews do not like Samaritans and Samaritans do not like Jews. It's been a feud that's been going on for centuries. And so they didn't they didn't talk to each other. They didn't like each other. There was a lot of prejudice going on today. It's a sound like today a little bit, right? Okay, do you know who's doing what and who's doing who? Do you understand the rumors and the gossip? I don't talk to this group. They don't like me. I don't like them. We don't associate with them. So all this is happening. And then to mark it all off, Jewish rabbis were not allowed to talk to women in public. Not just women, they were not even allowed, the rules were so strict that a Jewish rabbi couldn't even talk to his own wife or his own daughter in public. Some of you said, I think I'm married to a rabbi today. No, that's that's, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? But I want you to see here that Jesus, when he begins to go to this woman and talk to her, that he went straight to the woman that everybody else was talking about. He went straight to the woman everybody else was whispering about. He went straight to the woman that everybody else knew about. He went straight to the person and began to break stereotypes. See, Jesus was breaking every social stereotype. He was breaking the racial norm. He was breaking the gender norm. He was breaking the war on people who people's talking about. And he went right to that woman that day and said, there's something about the change in your life today. And I want you to know that Jesus comes. And today we can't let political correctness stop us from being the light that God's called us to be. We are the light of the world, as we talked about last week, that He has sent us into the world to be His light. And we can't let social peer pressure stop us from being the light. Jesus had to go. Jesus, it was mandated in His life. He knew, I must go to that woman today. I wonder what would happen tomorrow if you had to go to the person that everybody else talks about at lunchtime, and you went by and sat next to that person, or you invited that person to join you on your lunch break, or the break room, or you went to the water cooler and talked to that person today that everybody else is talking about, and instead you went to, I must go to that person. I, 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 can't, I can't talk about, no, you, listen, you got to break past that. Let the light of God shine in your life. Let's pick up a story now in verses 11, and then we'll pick it in 13 to 16. Sir, the woman said, you, you have nothing to draw with in the well. It's deep. Where, where can you get this living water? Look at Jesus' response Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. Again, talking about the, the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water, welling up eternal life. The, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go. Call your husband and come back here. So he says, listen, go go get your husband, bring him back here. It's like a timeshare, right? (laughs) Go get your spouse, bring him to the presentation, because I'm about to tell you something that's going to change your life. So go get your spouse, bring him here, and then, you know, something happens here. I I want you to realize people want something that is real. People are thirsting for something that is real. People are not looking for a judgmental, hatred, religion, or gospel. They're looking for a gospel that will transform their life. Are you hearing me? People are not looking for a religion, they're looking for something to transform their life. They want something that is real. And alive today. And we have been given the alive word of God. We've been given the alive spirit of God. My life should be forever a testimony of how God changes people's lives. And people need to hear it. People need to see it. People need to experience. People are hungry for something that's real. Now let's pick it up in verse 17. She responds after Jesus tells her to get her husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right. And when you say you had no husband, and then Jesus just tells her, The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have, he's not even your husband. So what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I I can see that you're a prophet. All of a sudden, she's like, Okay, this guy knows me. All right. Sir, I can see something is changing here. Now, let's pick it up now in verse 23 and 24. Then Jesus responds there, yet a time is coming, and now come when true, let's say it, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must, look at that word, must worship him. Jesus had to go there, and our response is we must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Religion will not work for you. Religion will not transform your life. Religion won't transform anybody's life. Christianity is about serving God, worshiping God in spirit and And in truth. It's all truth. It's all truth. I must learn to worship him in truth. Now, the truth is also called the word of God. We know that we worship him in spirit and in truth, the word of God. But the truth goes beyond just the word of God. It's about being honest about who you are. We are good about worshiping in spirit, aren't we? We come here, we hear songs like we just worship, and our spirit starts engaging. Our minds and spirit connect with God, where we are feeling like at one with God, where our spirits are being encouraged, our spiritual tank's getting full. We, we feel it. it. It's something, not just something we're going through the motions, but we feel something connecting in our spirit when we worship the Lord together. That's only one part of it. Because when I walk out this door and I get in my car, truth is going to follow you. That's where truth's at. Who's the person who leaves here? When I walk into the door of my home tomorrow and today, truth is right there with me. And so for me to understand how to worship the Lord in truth it's gonna take me being honest. Jesus knew the truth about this woman, but yet he asked her a question, making her admit the truth to him. He already knew the answer, but he wanted her to admit the truth. And I imagine this woman had been through so much guilt and shame. It's the reason why she had entered into the noon hour to come and get her water because she was tired of all the finger pointing, all the gossip, and all the things the religious community had done to her. But what she didn't understand this day, religion was coming alive now, and Jesus was going to transform her life. I'm telling you today, Jesus came to transform your truth, not for you to run from your truth or to hide from your truth. He came to radically change your life. Guilt is knowing I've broken God's law. I feel guilty knowing I've broken the laws of God. But shame comes when I just know that I'm I'm broken. I'm a broken person. My life's a mess. I've blown it so much. I'm guilty, and then you begin to take on shame in your life. Look at this statement. I think it's so true. The the church does an amazing job talking about forgiveness, and we do a lousy job talking about freedom. Because he didn't come to die on the cross for you to just be saved and to just find forgiveness. He died on the cross for you to walk in freedom. Because the scripture says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. And Jesus wants to break every chain in your life. Jesus wants to break every stronghold in your life. He wants to remove the guilt and the shame. He doesn't want to make you just feel good about yourself. He wants to remove that thing from your mind. He wants you to walk in total freedom. He wants you to walk in truth. 1 John 1, 9 says, look at this. uh, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. And not just us, let's remember the and. And purify us from all unrighteousness. That means we have been put through the filter of the cross of Jesus. That when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my life gets put through the filter of the cross. And when I come out, my sin is left behind. My shame is left behind. My guilt is left behind. And I've been transformed, radically transformed to be free to live with Jesus. Free to speak about Jesus. Free to testify of Jesus. That's the one thing we got to learn to do is to let go of this shame and to learn to be free. See, what's the one thing today? Let me ask you a personal question. I don't want you to answer this out loud, okay? I, I don't want to know your business. But what's the one thing? What's the one thing if, if someone knew? If everybody in this room knew this one thing about your life, that would bring you the most shame. If we had a video of that one night, if we had a video of that one thing, that one mistake, what's the one thing, if, that one secret, if people really found out that you'd be too embarrassed to come back, you'd be too embarrassed to show your face in public? What is that one thing? And let me tell you this, that, that one thing becomes Satan's greatest weapon against us, that That shame is the one thing that becomes Satan's greatest weapon against us in our life. Or it can become God's greatest powerful tool that he wants to use in your life. It's one or the other. And as Christians, we got to quit letting Satan have control of our life and control of our past. And we got to realize it's been filtered through the cross and it's been set free. As a believer, look at this, as a Christian and a believer, I must know God owns my past, and don't let your past own you. Come on now, someone to got a hand clap for that right now. Somebody needs to be set free from those words today. Don't let your past own you. The cross owns my past. It's been filtered through that. This woman had to come to a face-to-face encounter with the truth. Jesus made her admit the truth. Let's pick it back up in verse 28 and 30. And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town, and she said to everybody, come, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made her, made their way toward him. And this is such a great thing, because she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Time out. Why was she there at the noon hour? Because of everything she's ever done. Why was she hiding from the crowds? Because of everything she'd ever done. Why was she sneaking around trying to avoid people? Because of everything she'd ever done. And now she's running to the crowds. Now she's running to the city. And she's like, come and see a man who told me everything I had ever done. I'm telling you, when Jesus begins to transform your life, you don't have to walk in shame or guilt. It becomes a weapon now for you to use in the hands of God. It becomes a testimony. You can embrace it, not run from it. Look at it in verse 39 and 42. Many of the people in that town, Samaritans from the town, believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. And they quoted it He told me everything I ever did. Once again, it's embraced. The thing she was running from is now being used again. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we now no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really is the savior of the world. And so we see something happening here where the words that used to define and shame her are now becoming a thing that frees her. And so my testimony is this. I have blown it in my life. You have blown it in your life. But thank God, he transforms my life. He sets me free from all of my sin, all of my iniquity. He purifies me through the cross. Come and see and experience a loving God who wants to transform. Take away the guilt. Take away the shame and set your life free. It should be our testimony. It should be what God's doing. No longer running from the truth, but now running with the truth. Come and see. This God changed my life. She's now walking in freedom. See, she didn't find forgiveness that day. She found forgiveness, but she also found freedom. And I believe that for many people in this room, you found forgiveness, but you haven't found freedom yet. God couldn't really use me. Pastor, I've got way too big of a past. Really, really. I mean, this woman, it doesn't get even better than this back in the, the New Testament, I can tell you right now. Her activity could have led to stoning. Her activity would cause her to be an outcast. I mean, we're talking about big, big, big time, you know. I'm telling you, your past is your past when you become a child of the king. And today, you can walk in that freedom, and God wants to set you free. She embraced the truth. I've got a past, but come and see a man who set me free from that past. I'm not running from my past any longer. You guys thought you could tell you, hold that past over my head. You guys thought you could hold those mistakes over my head. But come and see a man who's freeing me from that guilt. Come and see a man who's freeing me from my shame. Come and let me show you a man I've been looking for it in all the wrong places. I thought a man could bring me security. I thought a new man could bring me the love I need. But come and see a man who's transforming all that about myself. She was understanding truth on a whole new level. See, only God, look at the statement. You guys have seen this before. Only God can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your test into a testimony. He can turn your trial into triumph. He can turn you from being a victim into being a victor. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Somebody say amen. Come on now. God wants to use you in your past. God wants to free you. You must worship him in truth and in spirit. What's God's will for my life? Every one of us, this is, this is God's will for our life. God's will is that we would know him. 2 Peter 3, 9, that God doesn't want anyone to perish, that we'd all know that he came to give his life. He sent his son to die for us, that all would know him. This is God's will. God's will in Romans 12:1 is that we learn to offer ourselves as a sacrifice daily. That God wants us to surrender daily to him. If you don't know this, God wants you to surrender daily. Jesus said, you pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every day. Every day he expects us to say, God, your will be done today in my life. I surrender my will to your will. He expects me to learn to give thanks in all things, learn to give thanks. And that he, he wants me to reach others. This is God's will for my life. This is God's will for your life. All of us share this common, common goal, this common purpose. Well, I, I don't know. That's not God's will. I, I've got a, I got, I got, a, I got a job. That's my calling. No, your, your job is not your calling. Let me, let me say, your job is not your calling. Your career is not your calling. Look at this. Our career is what we do for a living. Our, our calling is how we live. My career is what I do to support my family, pay my bills. But my, my calling is how I live it out. My calling's at work and outside of work. My calling's in the church and outside the church. My calling follows me around everywhere. My, someone says this, someone else can do my career. No, 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 look at this. Someone else can do your career. No one else can do your calling. Somebody else can do your job. You're, you're, not, you're, not that, you're good, but you're not that good. Somebody else can rise up and do your job, but nobody can do your calling. Listen, you'll, you'll reach people I can't reach. You'll shine your light to people I can't shine. You're going to see people tomorrow that I won't see. You're going to be with people at your school, your university, your job, in your workplace, in your, in your neighborhood, your family. You're going to see people that I can't reach. Your calling is to reach them. Your calling is to shine the light of Jesus to their life. See, our career is temporary. Our calling is eternal. It's a temporary. My career is a temporary way that I, I pay for my bills. It's a temporary way that I survive. But that's just a, a short span of eternity. My calling is eternal. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. I'm going to spend eternity with him. Today, what are you doing to affect eternity? Who am I going to take with me? Who's going to go with me? Who am I bringing with me for eternity? That's my calling. I want to affect as many people as possible. See, my my calling, it's it's a combo. My calling is a combo of who I am. It's what I have, and it's where I am today. I have people tell me, well, God's called me to, to reach kids. So I'm, I'm supposed to go overseas and reach kids and be a missionary. That's great, but how about you reach the kids in your life today? God's called me to reach kids over. i got to go. i got to be a missionary, but you can't spend one hour a week volunteering to serve in the preschool. Oh, come on. He just said that. I can't believe he said that. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? My calling is where I'm at today if I will be that, God will open the next door and the next day where I need to be. But my calling is where I'm at. My job, my workplace, my school, my neighborhood, my community, my church. This is my calling, where I'm at. And God wants to use what I have, the resources I've been given. God wants to use who I am, my personality. He wants to use it for his glory. It's how he shapes us, how he uses us. I, I can't be you. You can't be me. You got to be you and let God you. That's the truth of it right there. You know, growing up, it may surprise you, but I spent a lot of time in the principal's office. I know that's really surprising to you, right? I I was in trouble a lot growing up. I spent a lot of time in the principal's office, and I would find myself sitting out there in the principal's office. All the secretaries knew me by first name basis. They had my seat saved for me. They'd call it by name. Gene, there's the Gene seat right there. We got you. Come on in, Gene. What'd you do today? It seemed like I was always... I, the problem was this. I, I really had a thing of competing with the teacher for the attention of the class. I just felt it was my job to entertain the class. The teacher was boring, and it was my job to bring life to the class. These kids are here all day. They need something to laugh about, right? Need, so Someone's got to take charge. And so I was taking charge. I was entertaining the class, and... Teachers didn't, didn't, they didn't, they didn't smile on that very much. Like, they kind of looked down on that, right? And so I found myself in a principal's office a lot. I heard the teachers talking to my parents. were like, uh, we think your son's got ADHD, and we need to move him to a special class because he has a hard time paying attention during class. <laughs> they gave me a special test, you know, where I got to see these cards. What do you see? I see blocks. I see shapes. I'd make up stuff. Just throw them off. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> Just give this kid an intelligence test. I'm like, lady, I'm 10 years ahead of you right here. You know, I was playing mind games with her while she was trying to read my mind. I was just like, I just they, they, tried to, they tried to change it. And they couldn't change it out of me. They, they tried to punish it out of me. It didn't work. They tried to shame it out of me. It didn't work. You want to know why? Because God knew that one day I had to stand in front of hundreds of people every week and, and talk. God, God uses who I am. See, you can't be me, I can't be you. God's God's given you a unique gift that he wants to use you with. The truth is, I gotta embrace it. This is me, it's who God's called me to be. My past, I've got a past, you've got a past. But God has taken that and forgiven my past. I've been set free, you wanna know why? Because I've truly tasted from the living waters. And I know this, that nobody else has the power to set me free, except through Jesus Christ. He has set my life free. He has transformed my life. He's forgiven me. He's taken away all shame and guilt in my life. And he's done the same for you when you've given your life to him. I want you to bow your heads. As you do, I want to ask you the question today. If you're here, say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to experience forgiveness and freedom. And today's your day. You're in the right spot. Today's your day to experience the freedom of Jesus, the freedom of God. And it starts with you saying, Jesus Christ, forgive me my sins and I surrender my life to you. Nobody's looking but me as you're sitting in the auditorium and if you're listening online as well, if you're here and you say, I I want to experience Jesus and give my life to him. We won't do anything to single you out or embarrass you. But can you just raise your hand where I can see it? And say, today, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Come on now. Today's your day. Today's your day for freedom. Come on, if you're online today, just raise your hand where you're at. Say, today, I'm ready. I'm ready, Pastor. All right, we had several who raised their hands. So we're going to say this prayer out loud. If you said this prayer, raise your hand. I want you to say it with me. Repeat it after me. As Christians around you, we'll, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus... Forgive me of my sins. I surrender all of my life to you. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say welcome to the family, God. Come on now. As you stand to your feet today. I want to ask you a question as we're all standing. I want to ask you the question. How many today said, Pastor? Two things. One, I'm ready to be free. I'm tired of walking around in guilt. And number two, I want Jesus to use me. I want raise your hand if that's you. If God speaking, you say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to be free today. I'm ready today. Come on now. I don't want you forgiven. I want you free. I want you to walk in freedom. He didn't die for us to walk around in bondage, he died so that we could. Be free.